Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in Season 4. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com or at 888-999-6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. All right, folks, we're live here again on Podbean Live. I'm Dave Thompson. I'm the host of the show today, Beyond Clean with Ace. And... um, yeah, I've got to tell you, I'm on day 30. Yes, 30 days ago, I had my triple or quadruple bypass surgery, and it's a, a, a great pre- pleasure to be with you, talking with you. So uh, today we've got with us a guest, uh, the author of The Wealthy Gardener, and it's not about planting flowers and tomatoes, is it, John? <laughs> you know, it's not. It's not. There's a lot of uh, metaphor in the book, and uh, there's certainly a lot of uh, parallels between shaping a garden and shaping your own life. And it's certainly meant as a metaphor, as opposed to being a literal interpretation of a wealthy gardener. So, yeah, the garden is is a metaphor for our time on Earth. Wealth. In the, in the, at least in this case, is about money. It's about having more than enough money. So that's the basis for the book, The, White, the Wealthy Gardener. Yeah, what was interesting as I looked at this is it says lessons on prosperity between father and son. So I'm going to make an assumption that the son didn't write this. You know, that's a correct assumption. However, it does say uh, lessons between father and son. So keep in mind that whenever this book was written, the timing was such that it happened after I had already uh, met my, my to my own children, to my own son. He was in college, and so the lessons that we talked about the financial principles that were important for me to to pass along to my son. It wasn't a one-way street. It was lessons between a father and son. So I would bounce my my quote-unquote wisdom to him, my practical knowledge. He would answer and, and either push back, agree, not agree, and we would discuss things. It was back and forth. The process was a collaboration between a father and son. So that word was chosen with care. I believe that most authors do choose words with care. Uh, I look back at the book that I wrote some years ago and go, man, I wrote that. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? And then if you get, you get asked five years later about what that was in, in that middle paragraph, in the middle of the book, you say, what are we talking about again? Because, yeah, there's, there's a lot to it, and there's a lot you choose in the moment. It means a lot to you, but like anything else, I sometimes can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. So, uh, yeah. Well, you know, here at the Academy, we write a lot of information, write protocols and courses. We've got 40 courses, you know, professional development for the cleaning industry. And I put a lot of material out, 
And sometimes I go back to it and, you know, I'm upgrading. I go, what was I thinking when I wrote that? Mm. <laughs> well, you know, it, you know, it's really challenging uh, because in my case, I was trying to convey uh, kind of a how to live book in business for my son. So such care went into this that I would say I would, uh, you know, it, it was 50 hours a week for three years. So that's a lot of time to think about your words and your meaning and your message, right? So I'd say that if I wrote something that I came back to and said, what was I thinking? Well, geez, I sure spent a lot of time thinking the wrong thing. <laughs> you know, so uh, I still stand by what I've written. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't mean that we don't, but, you know, sometimes we go, Man, I sure could have improved that if I'd have spent a little bit more time on that. But you're right. How much time do you spend on these before you put it out? And, you know, hey, you, you know, from what I have read and seen, you turned a negative into a positive. And isn't that what building wealth is all about? Well, sure it is. Sure it is. It's one of the fundamental lessons that we all have to understand that uh, trials, difficulties, obstacles, sacrifice, that's all part of the process. It's all part of your backstory. And it doesn't have to be the end of a story unless you choose it. And so absolutely, I, I sometimes I feel like the pain of learning in my own life, maybe I can transform that. Maybe I can use that, give out to that, make a good use of it and put that into a book of lessons. I mean, certainly. I don't want my life, the life of my son to be happy and easy and carefree, but I do want him to understand effectiveness. I want him to understand how to win should he choose to apply himself and sacrifice and take those punches that we all have to take. So I was just trying to prepare my son. That's all. So let's tell the audience a little bit about how you came to this. I mean, now we've told people what you've done, but... Uh, there was a journey getting to this, I would imagine. Well, sure. Um, you know, Dave, keep in mind that my background certainly plays into it. I, I grew up in the uh, middle class. It was a good, good middle class upbringing, you know, small rural town outside of Pittsburgh. I was the, uh, I was a grandson of a coal miner. Uh, my parents, they didn't start in a trailer. They started in a half a trailer. I was the first in my family to, to ever go to college. And I went to college, I graduated at 24. I graduated at 24 with $200,000 worth of student debt, however. Mm. So I started out with quite a negative. I went into, I was a chiropractor. I went into my first day of practice down 200,000 plus the cost of that clinic without one person lined up to be in my, in my world. I didn't have a customer. Mm to start within three years i have a wife and two kids uh it's just me my wife stays at home with the kids so it's just my income and by the age of 30 i was frustrated i was trapped and i really just knew what it was like to be a wage slave at that point i realized i was making enough money for food shelter clothing but everything in excess of that went to this big invisible student debt that nobody could see and so it was a struggle i was trapped and Right then and there, I set my I set a goal, a big goal to retire in 20 years with a substantial retirement income. And it just so happened that I attained that goal. I got there. 
I fought the good fight. <laughs> I won. And I felt like because I won, that gave me credibility to speak. Uh, I don't know if I would have written this book if I didn't win. Uh, so because I won, I felt like I could tell my son the lessons of prosperity. I wanted to really uh, impress it upon him. So I wrote it in a story form that he could read and be entertained and we can work on together. And that was the basis of The Wealthy Gardener, uh, how to win financially if you so choose to sacrifice <laughs> and fight for every inch. That's part of it. So that was my, uh, that's the synthesis of the book. Well, I think that's interesting because, you know, in the cleaning business, we get a lot of first time entrepreneurs. Uh, people that uh, need a, an income. As you said, they're tired of being just a, a slave to uh, the man's wage. They want to make their own income. Um, I would say that a lot of people in this industry have done cleaning before for somebody else, tired of doing it for them, so they want to do it themselves. And as you said, they have to go out and, and try it. They find themselves in debt trying to keep their head above water. And unfortunately, as you know, in a lot of business, uh, they fail. But some go on and, as you said, prosper and make it to the other side, much like you did in a different avenue. And what would you say, Dave, is the cause of the majority of that failure in your industry? Lack of preparation, lack of knowledge about what they're about to get into. Um, you know, there, there's, we, we, we do a lot of different classes. We have one on job bidding and workloading. And one of the things I talk about in that class all the time is if you don't know what's ahead of you and you don't take professional development education, you're just going to be making a paycheck. You're not building it for your future. And you just said it. I mean, just... I didn't know what your answer was going to be, uh, but I suspected it uh, because what do, what do I want my son to understand? Entrepreneurship. It's When we're creating a business, we're, we're trying to give birth to a living entity. And it's best to know that there's a cash flow to this thing. It's, it's an animal of itself. And it's kind of like giving birth to a cow, even though you're a human. It's going to be a lot of pain. And there's, there's basics that you must know. When I was 30 years old, and I'm frustrated. At that point of my life, now, I'm at that point where you're starting out. It sounds like I have 10 years under my belt, which I do. And that was certainly a painful learning curve. <laughs> no doubt about it. But what did I do? Well, first thing I did was keep my day job. But then I started building my knowledge base. I went into my leisure hours. That's where the time is. And I built my knowledge base on, I studied wealthy people. I still I studied books on personal development and building me, uh, getting those things. And then I went into technical stuff like, okay, I was kind of looking at rental real estate. I went into that. And so you can't, you can't move forward without a knowledge base. Your people think that it's just going to be get out there and, and just go to jobs. No, 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 no. That's what employees do. Not, not somebody who's actually running a business giving birth to this new living organism called a business. That's exactly it. It's a knowledge base first, first and foremost, and then a whole lot of other things. Well, you know, I always say it this way, John, and you can uh, you know, see if it applies to what you've been talking about. I refer to it this way. Uh, if you don't know why you're doing something, 
you're probably not going to get the result that you could have. Didn't say it was right or wrong. It just could have been better. And so uh, in our field, people say training. And I say, well, training is something you do after you know why you're doing it. Uh, training is doing it, but education is knowing why I'm doing it. So if I'm reading between the lines here, you needed to know why you were doing it, and the why was about yourself first. You know, no doubt, enough self would break that apart. You're talking about the, the training sometimes you have to to know how to succeed in this world has nothing to do with, with the means that you're in. Like my rental real estate, set that aside. You know, you're teaching people how to, uh, the technical aspects of a business in the cleaning business, set that aside. Let's start right here. Let's talk about goal setting, personal development, your ability of being resistant, resilient. Let's talk about how to achieve financial whatever. Let's talk, all that kind of stuff is first, is paramount. Once you get that, it's almost like preparing for battle, all right? We go into a battle first by preparing our minds, and then we go out there and we fight the battle. Now let's talk about technicalities and tactics and strategies, okay? But first, you gotta work on the mind of the warrior. He has to know what he's getting into, or else all that skill level, all that stuff doesn't matter. Because you know what? The first punch is gonna put you on the ground, and you're gonna be an unexpected, uh, Fatality, that's what it happens. Oh my God, I wasn't aware of this is gonna be hard. Well, it is, but it's a lot more easy when you understand it's coming. And so you have to be ready and build the inner self. And it's not just talk, just like any fighter has to do that. So do we, if we're going into business. And then we're ready for the skills, then we're ready for the training, then we're ready for the tactics, strategies, and whatever after that. So I think I read somewhere in, in my research on you and your book, something about a vineyard came into play in all of this. I mean, now, wait a minute, chiropractor to vineyard? <laughs> well, uh, you might be confusing the, the fictional part of the story, the parable of the wealthy gardener with, with uh, what's going on here. So, yeah. The wealthy gardener, uh, as, a, as a parable, is an old man that's nearing the end of his life. He started out with a small vegetable garden, and he grew that small vegetable garden using the hours of his days, just like we all do. That's what we have is the availability of time. Who's going to use that best? And then he eventually built that small garden. He grew it slowly into a vineyard, farm, and a winery. Uh, he eventually employs most of the town. Uh, but that's that's the synthesis of a story that became uh, paramount to the life lessons. And we intertwine a lot of timeless lessons, success principles around that story and the group of characters in that story. So, no, I'm not a – I don't own a vineyard. I, I did write about a vineyard and a wealthy gardener who owns one, but that's as far as it gets there. Uh, well, I kind of figured there was something like that in there. Um, you know, the thing I, I find interesting about this as you wrote it, uh, I have not read the whole book, so I apologize uh, on that. I've read some of the pages, uh, you know, you can go to Google and find a few selected pages. Um, the interesting thing is, is I find that the cleaning industry is much the same way. We start with a few small accounts 
do a few of them, and then as we become comfortable, we grow that, and then it becomes a business. And then pretty soon we're not working for ourselves. We've got employees, and now it's that business that you said that's an organic, living, breathing thing that unfortunately sometimes controls us and we can't keep up with. Um, I'm feeling that you probably dealt with those kind of issues in the book. Absolutely. You know, you know, Dave, I don't, I don't think there's a business in the world that wouldn't understand what you're talking about. We all speak the same language if we have the experience of business. Uh, so absolutely, you're talking about, uh, you know, okay, back to the wealthy gardener. He's, he's questioned about that. He's, he's, once there's a, there's a mentor, a mentee relationship he has there with, uh, with a young man who, who got himself into some trouble in life. And the young man asked him, did, yeah, he says, did you always envision this, this massive business that you ended up with? You know, when you started with the same little tiny vegetable garden, did you, could you imagine this? Uh, the wealthy gardener says, no, I couldn't. And you know what? I guess you could say that's impossible then, right? And the kid says, what do you mean? He says, well, it's impossible from that standing point, that starting point. But if I, t if I just grow my little garden a little bit and I grow myself into it and I grow it a little more and I grow myself into it, I become more and more competent. I move from being a technician. I now I have to be a leader. Now I have to manage accounts and people. You grow and you grow yourself. You grow it, you grow yourself. This is the process over and over and over. It's not everything that's been done in the, in the cleaning industry, I promise you, has been done in all other businesses. They're all, it's, it's just the evolution of an organic business. They grow that way. That's all. You know, I did a podcast uh, here a couple of weeks ago with Vanessa, who just jumped online and apparently couldn't stay with us. But, um, you know, one of the things that Vanessa started her cleaning industry or business about five years ago, she's from um, uh, Argentina. And it was interesting. She kept saying organic breathing. And, and here you are talking about developing wealth, but it's the same language. No doubt about it. Anybody who's tried to uh, say give birth to a business, <laughs> it's best to look at this thing as a cash eating monster that also <laughs> spits out cash. Okay. So <laughs> you're laughing. Cash eating monster. <laughs> it but is it is. A, it, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. So like, let's, let's approach it like that. It's, it's a cash eating monster that if tamed, if controlled, if wisely strategized, will spit out more cash than it eats. And so that's the whole goal, to create this cash flow. It's always about that. That's the end goal of a business. I have friends who run a cleaning business. My only ex experience are my three cousins. And those guys, they, they have more time off now than an insurance salesman who's successful. They, they have people, they're commercial now. They're in the commercial businesses all throughout the Pittsburgh area. I don't know when they do their business because they're out fishing all the time when I look at them. They've got that business to the level where it's an animal on its own. And that's the whole goal of a business and the, the evolution of an entrepreneur is if you can create an animal that can live without you. That's the 
end goal of this whole game of giving birth to a business? So I'm going to take just a, a moment here. Uh, I wanted to make sure that everybody knows that we are sponsored by Jim Supply. They are a supplier of cleaning goods in Central Florida. They've been uh, supplying goods and, and chemicals, equipment, improving lives with cleaning supplies since 1930. We're very happy to be sponsored and powered by them. The Academy of Cleaning Excellence would not be here if it wasn't for their support. Uh, they give us the opportunity to well, have all the tools and equipment and everything for our live classes. If you're tuning in and you're catching our live show today or maybe the recorded, uh, no, it is the end of August and we haven't done live classes in August for obvious reasons that we mentioned. We'll be starting our live classes up in October. In September, we're going to be doing our live remote. So uh, everybody go to our website, find that, and we'll go further. You know, my question to you, John, is this was all for your son, but we haven't talked about how did he take this? What did he learn, and where is he at today? You know, my, I, I, people will assume that a relationship between a father and a son is, is somewhat strained and that the kid in college doesn't want to listen to the old man. You know, that's a, that's a common. What are you, what are you, what, when are you talking about my, my college days? <laughs> well, maybe I'm, maybe there's a little autobiography in myself for that. My, yeah, okay. my, my dad and I were sometimes at odds, right? So, but not yeah. so with my son and I. Uh, he says that this to him, if I ask him that question, says that to be honest, it wasn't that much different because we always talked about lessons. We always talked about life. We both enjoyed talking about ideas and problems and uh, throughout sports and challenges of, of school for him. So to him, this wasn't that unique. Uh, I would say that he jumped on when I said, Mike, I'll tell you what I'm thinking about doing here. I would really like to talk to you about where I am and how I got here, not as a, a preach to you, but as a share to you. I'm not asking you to ever, ever accept anything that I have to say. But how about we talk about it? And, you know, you can push back. And quite frankly, if you push back on ideas, maybe it'll, it'll structure this book in a little bit better fashion. And that's exactly how we approached it, where – uh, I would write all week long. I would. He was in college. I would send him an email on a Sunday. On a Sunday, he would go over it. He would look at it. He would fight back, not fight back. He would kind of edit it. And so uh, we would get back. We'd talk Sunday night. We'd fight. We enjoyed it. It was kind of like our normal discourse throughout life, only a lot, lot deeper. So my son now, he graduated. He's a financial guy. Uh, he's now living down in Charlotte, Charlotte. Uh, North Carolina, and he saved more money at the age of 25 than the old man had at 35, you know, so uh, that's financially, you know, finances are certainly an important part of life, and I can tell you he's way, way, way ahead of the curve right now, and I want to say that with the caveat that if he makes dumb mistakes in the in the future, that means he didn't read the book closely enough. Uh, <laughs> he didn't follow the map. You know, I told him I got him exactly where I want him. If things work out well, I say, well, look, it's because of the book. And if things don't, that means he didn't read it close enough. So I win, <laughs> right? <laughs> Father's always right. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, that's cool. I mean, you know, I think that 
many fathers and sons wish they had a relationship like what you've described, um, where we could do that. And I, I, you know, kudos to you and your son for having that relationship and working with it because, you know, that in itself is as much a living organism as the businesses you were talking about. You know, it is. I, I would say that, and it's another thing uh, we, we can talk about, Dave. You know, you're talking about entrepreneurship and you're talking about financial success. And within that, within that uh, conversation, you will always have the struggle that people all go through of uh, family relationships. I mean, how, how much do you give to your work? How do you balance that with family? How do you, how do you make that work? Because if, if it looks like we're all busy, when I'm 30 years old, I don't have a minute. How do we make that work? Well, I'll tell you what. I made it work. I can speak for myself. Looking back over my life, I can say that the authentic communication that I had with my family, with my kids, with my daughter, wife, son, that was such a key thing because they did see me sacrifice. They see me work uh, longer hours than a lot of people. And so that could have looked like a selfish pursuit to them. It's something we all struggle with. I, I can't go for more. I can't follow my ambition because I don't want to give up time with my kids. But if, if I found that if I talk to my children, honestly, authentically, I opened up my books, they knew my money. They knew nothing my dad ever did. Like my, my parents never showed me their money. Uh, I showed them everything as a preparation for their later stages of life. And also as an education so that they would see why I'm sacrificing. Getting back to what you said about the why. Well, we have to understand the why, but they have to understand the why as well. If they understand the why, now we're teaching them how to sacrifice and why our sacrifice is honorable, why our sacrifices is virtuous, how it will help them, not just us. The why was a great education to them. And so because of that, uh, it is possible to follow your financial ambitions, get ahead, gain financial power in life while still maintaining great relationships with the family. And so, yeah, that was, uh, that was a very, very important component to, uh, well, to the whole game, uh, quite frankly. You know, we, we have a program that I'll be doing uh, this coming Monday. It's called the Rockstar Custodian. And we, we started off by going through the nine personality traits of what we have identified as a rock star custodian. But in this series, we have a section that talks about uh, your work family and how to actually, you know, uh, figuratively, uh, not literally, but look at your, what we have always called teammates in our profession as more a family member and, and as you were saying this, John, I kind of was thinking about the relationship here. You know, if we if we would figuratively put the people that we work with and regard them as a family member, how would we treat them differently? And I think this is where a lot of uh, entrepreneurs stop realizing that they're building a network within their operation that's going to sustain you. Th those gentlemen you talked about, that you know those are organ that that's a living breathing organism and people are the main part of that 
No doubt about it, Dave. And you know, it's it's what we focus on every day. Like we can focus in business. There's going to be a, just a a shitload of problems nonstop. Okay, if you're not if you don't have a whole bunch of problems every day, then you're not in business. Okay, it's part of it. And so that's not pushing the envelope. Uh, you know, that's just it. You're you're really not pushing the envelope. You're really not making a lot of profit. You're really not there. So you have. That's why we talk about that battle ready mindset, the necessity to get yourself prepared before battle, all of that kind of stuff. And so when the problems hit and the you know the crap hits the fan, those are the people who are part of the, the, the team. You know, when you're taking the mountain, these are the people you're taking the mountain with. <laughs> so you have a choice. You can focus all your attention on these problems. You can be a stressed out bastard. I've done it. I've fallen into that where it's um, overwhelmed by me. Poor me. Or you can have your focus on other people. It's not, it's, it's not a moral issue. It's a business issue. A business issue is you, you, as a leader, you're there to support other people. They're part of that organization. And just like a body, that those organs need to be healthy. And so it's in your own self-interest to take your eyes off yourself. It's one of the best things about business. You have to think of others because they are your business. Well, we have a saying here, uh, and by what you just said, I think you'll probably agree, the most valuable resource that an operation has is an engaged employee. Well, amen, man, because if that person is not engaged, the consequence of that is that now all of the problems are your problems, including that person. So, yeah, they they either make you or break you. Uh, very rarely can you do something alone unless you're trying to write a book maybe when I'm, I'm stuck here in the bottom of a basement. But even so there, I can't tell you how many revisions came as a result of professional editors. You know, this book was bought by, uh, you know, publishers. It was put through a rigorous process. So technically... It wasn't me alone, you know. So and you, and you had your son every weekend, you know, critiquing and, and adding to it too. So you, you definitely didn't do it alone. You know, no, definitely didn't. I I certainly had a, a base of thirty years to draw upon. I had some pretty firm conclusions because, you know, keep in mind I had retired with a really healthy retirement income, not just financial freedom but financial power. So that did that doesn't come from just tripping over your feet. So I do have some pretty firm beliefs, but when it came down to it, I was sending it out to him and another person's opinion can either strengthen your position and you retrench a little more, or you can see that maybe you stated that in a way that was confusing. Maybe you stated that in a way that led him to believe something other than what you intended to mean. So there's, there's absolutely value to counter opinions in business and in writing and in everything else. And the more successful you get, I think the, the humbler you get, the more able you get to take that because what you don't want, it's not about being right, what, what you sounding right and having an ego. It's all about not making mistakes. You don't want consequential mistakes in business. So therefore you consider other opinions for that reason. That was a, my take on it. We're running close to the end of our show time today, folks, but uh, there's a couple of things I want to get in before uh, John leaves us. And John, I have to say thank you uh, for taking the time and suffering through all the trials and tribulations to get on today. Not every time is it easy. Uh, so thanks for sticking with it. 
Um, I did look here, and as I said, I looked it through a few little things. Uh, there is on page 406, it says, one last thing. Can you give us a little hint? So one last thing. No. <laughs> here, here we go, uh, Dave. You're, you're, you're testing a 55-year-old mind on remember what he wrote five years ago. I, I, I do believe... I do believe that I can I can answer this though, and with with great with a great trepidation in my voice. Okay, all right, okay. I, no, I didn't mean to throw you off culture there. No, no, no. Here we go. So one last thing. There was a there was a couple who was walking down the street, and keep in mind this book is about parables. It's about trying to express truths uh, through stories. Sometimes that's the easiest way to convey what you're trying to mm -hmm. say. There was a, there was there was a person walking down a dirt road 2,000 years ago, more or less, and he came upon a, another person who was working, minding his own business, in a garden. The guy was tilling a garden, which basically, for those of us who don't know, means you're pushing dirt around. This, this person <laughs> came up to, uh, figuratively and literally, yeah, the, the, the stranger walking on the road stops he asks the gardener a question. He says, if this is your last day, the last day of your life, what would you do with your day? Well, the gardener looks up and he scratches his chin. The gardener is St. Francis of Assisi, and this is supposedly a true story. And St. Francis of Assisi says, I would continue hoeing my garden. And then he paused and he returned to the hoeing. He returned to the, the, the tilling of the garden. Well, the stranger just walked down the road. He's scratching his head. And what the moral of the story is, is that we just have, a, we all have a garden. We all have a certain amount of time on this earth. And what we should do, like that person, like St. Francis of Assisi, all we can do is spend our time using our time. We're just going to Use our time on things that we consider meaningful. That's the key to life, Dave. People say that, well, what's, what's, the, what's the most important? What is it? Six, money is not everything. Well, meaning is everything. See, money can buy you meaning. And while you're building money, you have meaning because you have to serve a lot of people. We are not fulfilled in this life without meaning. There's always something missing. So look at you. You're retired. You're serving a lot of people. In retirement, quote unquote, you know, you have quite a. You just went through a scare uh, thirty, you know, thirty days ago. What in the end matters most? Well, I guarantee you, there's going to be highlights of this life, but one of which, on your deathbed, is going to be, did I use my time with meaning for my purpose? And that's what Saint Francis is telling us right there. Folks, I could tell you that I could ask a lot of different questions to wrap up a show, but I don't think I could put it any better than that, John. Well, you went through an eye-opener that we will all go through, and it was just a rehearsal to what we ultimately will face. So uh, I appreciate that, and maybe next time we talk, we talk more about you and what, what uh, lessons you learned in the past 30 days. Well, I can tell you in the past years, uh, you know, I ran my own business. I've been there. Uh, I didn't do so well. I've suffered through those things. Uh, there's been a lot of different things in 62 years that have happened, but the, 
the traumatic issues of the last 30 days made all of the rest of that uh, pretty much a shadow. Um, it does kind of set you on a different tune, a, diff a little different tone. But I think the whole thing is, is as you said, and I've always said, there has to be why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And is there a better way? I guess that's kind of the, the thing that's always pushed me forward. I think that from what you've talked about uh, this, this morning, that's some of why you put it together. Well, sure. Absolutely. I mean, we all, I think as parents, we would all like to pass along our life lessons. We can, it's almost like you hand the baton to the next generation. Here's my mm -hmm. knowledge. Take the baton and go for it, brother. The, the race is yours now. That's how I felt. So I have one question for you. I didn't ask you a lot of questions, but I got one for you here at the end. Go. What is on your bucket list for this year, personally, not business-wise, but something you want to do for yourself? You just really want to get that done. So I have, I have, um, so not on my bucket list, not on my business list. Not on your business, personal. <laughs> the separation between business and personal is a really vague line in my life. Mm -hmm. What is, what is my meaning? What am I, what am I doing for meaning? I, I am writing the sequel to that book. Do we call that business? And why do we call it business? I would say that that's, yeah, that'll make money. But does that make it business or does that make, make it my life? Whenever you're in your life and your business, whenever there's not a clear line between the two, you're in a good place, man. And sometimes whenever I'm, I'm writing a book like that, I, I need an all-consuming uh, time frame. I kind of go into a cave and I do that. Now, on top of that, uh, sure. Do I want to travel a little bit uh, out west? I'm going to do that. But out west, meeting where, John? You know, my wife likes to go to Sedona. Uh, that's one of our favorite places. Some of the Red Rock areas. I have a, I have developed uh, relationships in California. I haven't traveled the coast of California yet, and so. Mm -hmm. I, I tend to think those are the kind of things that will enrich some of the things I have freedom for. And the question is really, how do you use your freedom now that you're retired? So I find well, see, I, Go ahead. See, I'll tell you, you know, one of the things that's always been on my bucket list is to, to get in a hot air balloon. And after the I, last 30 days, I'm like, you know what? I got to get that done because I might not have the chance. Are you gonna are you gonna be like the, the bucket list movie where Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman jump out of a plane? Is this what is this what yeah, you know every, every time I ask that question, that one comes to my mind. Now not everybody remembers that movie, but you know, <laughs> you you do think it was a powerful movie. Um, yeah. and, and not all of us are at the twilight. And so sometimes people, you know, that are thirty-five years old, I ask that question, go, Well, I'm not at a bucket list. You know what? You don't know when that bucket list is going to happen to you, and that's what I experienced the last 30 days. You ask about it. So, uh, yeah. folks, I'm telling you, if you've been listening to our podcast, you've heard me talk about this. Uh, if, if you know, The one thing I really wanted John to come on and talk about was not just money. Money is important, but it's why we do what we do. And I think, and my belief is, John, if we really understand why we're doing we will be happy with what we're doing.
you know what? If you can attach meaning to to otherness, something other than yourself, and if you're pursuing something that gives you some sort of intrinsic reward, you're in a good place. John, it's been a great pleasure having you on the podcast today, folks. If you've uh, been listening here to the recording, John, could you tell people how they can get your book and communicate with you? Absolutely, Dave. The book is everywhere now. It's translated into six different languages, and it's been bought by Penguin, so it's now sitting in physical bookstores. It's everywhere. Uh, anywhere you can buy a book, you can get it. You can get it in six different languages now. TheWealthyGardener.com is my website. I sometimes hang there, sometimes don't, and I sometimes live with my own message of just giving my time to one purpose, which is what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm locked away in my cave writing the next book. And folks, uh, it's also on Audible too, because I saw that. In fact, if I may, Dave, I want to give a I want to give a shout to that one because I searched and I found I made I made Dennis Kleiman do that book. I made him out of all the people in the world. He didn't have a choice. I wanted Dennis because he had the heart for this book. This is a really important book between a father and a son. So you got to have a big soul. And Dennis has that soul. And Dennis was doing this audio book and he was saying, he was telling me, he's got this British accent. So he sounds like a wise man. He, he said, John, every, every book has this, has this uh, melody to it. It's kind of like a song. And I like to discover this melody. And I, I said, all right, Dennis, get this then. Go and buy that parable, that, that type of theme. If, if this is a book, I want you to understand it's a finance book, but it's a love story. Okay. If this is a song, this is a love song. Got it? Okay, John. And I think he didn't listen to me too much. When he's done with this, this audio book, he comes back and says, okay, John, I get what you said because there was two or three times I broke down and cried and I had to start all over again reading this book. <laughs> And it's like, Dennis, I appreciate that, man. And I'll tell you what, the, I, because this author cried in putting these words on paper. So you matched me, man. And I, I cannot thank him enough for that. The guy created a whole new experience. That audiobook is special. John, I thank you for your time today and coming out of the cave or staying in the cave and talking with us and taking some <laughs> of your valuable time for our listeners. Uh, people always ask me, well, why do you get people that aren't in the cleaning industry on your show? And I'm like, because we don't just do cleaning only. We live life. And, and that's what this is all about. So I really do appreciate your time. Hey, folks, totally if, you, uh, you, Thank you. If, if you want to, uh, in the show notes, uh, in the, we'll have a link to John's uh, book and his information. Uh, you know, you'll find our recorded show on beyondcleanwithace.com. Like and share everything we do. And folks, if, if you've been a, a fan of the show, if you watched us at, uh, before on your YouTube videos, we have three words we follow, and we would really like for you to follow those. Between now and the next time we talk with you, make sure that whatever you do, it's healthy, positive, and proactive. We're out of here for today. Thank you, John. Thank you, Dave.